Do you know a life hack? A simple shortcut for an everyday problem or task. Perhaps it's using soap and water to remove a stuck ring from your hand, or using a fork to dunk your Oreos instead of your fingers. I'm Joseph Williams, an intern here at West Valley Christian Church, where we exist to love God and love people. While we may come up with hacks for smaller problems, only the Bible is the ultimate life hack for life's biggest problems. I think one of the things that I struggle with, and maybe you struggle with too, is that sometimes we think that life is about us. I know I go through that, and I want to start off with a, with a story. Uh, this is a fictitious story that I made up. Uh, it's about this guy who was an actor, and this guy was an actor, and, uh, and he finally got, he got a scene in a movie, in a feature film. And so after the movie was finished, he invites his best friends to go with him to the movies and watch this scene, uh, his, his scene in the movie. And so they go into the theater, and they watch the movie, and the movie ends, and they walk outside, and then this actor guy asks his friends, so what did you think about my scene? And they were like, well, it was a great movie, but you weren't in it. And he says, well, what do you mean I wasn't in it? I was, I was in the movie. They were like, yeah, we saw the movie. You weren't in that movie. Don't you remember the scene when the guy had to say goodbye to that girl because his visa expired and he had to leave the country and it was a super sad scene. And everyone was like, yeah, we saw that scene. That scene broke our heart. It was probably the best scene in the movie. But you weren't in that scene. And he's like, what do you mean I wasn't in the scene? They were like, you weren't in that scene. Stop here for a moment. He, get, he grabs his phone, and he goes to the scene on his phone. He had the scene on his phone, and he looked at it, and there was the scene of these two people that he was talking about, and he's like, look, I'm in that scene. And they're like, you're not in that scene. You're not in that scene. And he's like, look closely. And then they look in, and he's like, you see the guy in the background? The guy sitting in the bar who's got his back toward the camera? And they're like, oh, that is you. That is you. I thought of that, see, that, that story because... That scene was not, he was in the scene. It was not about him. He was an extra in that scene. You know, when I think about life, I think that's sometimes the way we see ourselves. At least I know I do. I think that my life is about me. I think my life is about my dreams. I think my life is about my desires, my future, my plans, and my projects. How about you? I struggle with that every day. And we look at verses like Romans eleven thirty six, that say, uh, for from him and through him and for him are all things, to him be the glory forever. I would prefer to change that verse and make it into from me and through me and for me are all things, to me be the glory forever. Amen. I would love that. But that's not what the verse says. So I struggle with that because I'm always thinking that life is about me. And the problem is that when we think that life is about us, it affects our lives negatively. It, are, it affects our view of God. It, is, it affects how we interpret the Bible. And it affects the thing that we're going to talk about today, which is prayer. When we think life is about us, it will affect negatively the way we pray to God. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this awesome worship. Thank you, Lord, because we're able to come into the safe place and hear your word. I pray that you will do uh, through me what only you can do, which is speak your word into people's hearts. I pray that as I struggle with the, th the same thing that I'm going to be preaching about today, that you will speak to me, that you will speak to all of us, and that our hearts will be open to hear your word and to not just hear it, but allow it to transform us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So you're watching that video earlier, and we're continuing a series that we've called Life Hacks. Life Hacks. How many of you guys know what a life hack is? Yes, we've been doing uh, video life hacks. We've been doing live life hacks every Sunday. We're going to be doing another one today, so uh, be ready for that. But here's the definition of a life hack. It is this. It is a strategy or technique adopted in order to manage one's time and daily activities in a more efficient way. And life hacks are great because, because they're, they're, they're helpful for us to save time, to save money, to save resources, and to, and to save energy. And life ha- hacks are very helpful, but they are limited because life hacks come from our own brains. However, we have the Bible. We have the owner's manual, if you will. This text that comes from the creator of all things that teaches us how life really works. We could say that the Bible is the ultimate life hack. You will find everything you need for your life, for your marriage, for finances, how to face your fears, how to face doubt, everything. It's almost like talking to Henry Ford if you have car trouble. Or more modern day, talk to Elon Musk if you have a Tesla, right? All right. Anyway, so we have everything we need in the Bible. And today we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about prayer. As I said earlier, if we believe that life is about us, it's going to affect the way we pray. Listen to this. Let's go to James chapter uh, 4, verse 3. It says this, and if you need a, a Bible, please raise your hand, and um, these fine gentlemen will hand you a Bible. And if you're here for the first time and you don't own a Bible, just put your name on that Bible. You can take it home. James chapter 4, verse 3 says, When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. You see, if we think that life is about us, then our prayers will primarily be, when we pray, we will primarily be asking for things for us. That will be the main focus of our prayer. However, I think we all have that same tendency. I know I do. Since I was a kid, I would always pray for stuff for me. Lord, help me. Lord, bless me. Lord, give me. And as I grow up, I keep praying for things for me. I pray for a parking spot. I pray for a good day. Keep me healthy. Keep me safe. Provide for all of my needs. I have a tendency to, by default to go there in my prayers to, to pray for me for the things that I want. And maybe I'll pray for someone else, you know, but then let's get back to the most important thing, which is my agenda, Right? That's why we say things, because we have an understanding that prayer is about asking. That's why we normally say things like prayer works, or prayer doesn't work, or God hasn't answered my prayer yet. And that's not a bad thing, but it's not the main thing, because our tendency is to, at least this is what I go through, maybe I'm alone here, to, to, when I pray, I think prayer is some sort of a transaction with God. So I say this, and then he should do that. Almost like a vending machine, right? Maybe it's an exaggeration, but maybe like a vending machine. What do you do with a vending machine? You go to a vending machine, you decide what you want. You want a Snickers bar, right? You put the right amount of money and you press the right code, you get a Snickers bar, right? Sometimes we think prayer is kind of like that. Like we do a certain prayer or we pray a certain amount of times and God is going to answer us the things that we asked him for. But let's face it. It simply doesn't work that way. I'm not saying God doesn't answer prayer. What I'm saying is, it doesn't always work that way. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever prayed for something and God has not answered your prayer? Okay. 
Father, we, it looks like I'm almost alone because there's only a, like a few hands. Okay, now we're telling the truth. Okay, good, good. Look around. Keep your hands up and look around. Look around. You see? It's a bunch of us. Let me ask you another question. Have you ever prayed for something so simple, so simple, so simple, so easy, and God didn't do it? Or on the other hand, have you prayed for something that is almost impossible and God came through? It's very interesting. It's very interesting to, 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 to try to think about the logic behind prayer. Like, how does prayer work? Because that's the, that's the underlying question today. About 15 years ago, my brother-in-law uh, died of lung cancer. It was, a quick, it was a quick process. I mean, he was diagnosed with cancer. Ten days later, he was gone. And we prayed, oh man, we prayed. We prayed like we've never prayed before. 35-year-old guy, he died. And we, did, we, did, we fasted. We did prayer chains. We called each other for prayer. We prayed intensely. We prayed in every way possible. And God didn't answer the prayer. And I was remembering something that happened during that whole time process of, of driving back and forth from the hospital, you know, getting him the things that he needed and all that kind of stuff. I remember driving and I had my wife next to me and we were outside of the hospital. We were finding a parking spot and we were in a hurry. I can't remember what it was that we were trying to do. We were trying to, to get something to him quickly. And I was very frustrated because I couldn't find a parking spot. I'm like, oh, a parking spot. There's nowhere, there's nowhere to park. We got to get there quickly. And all of a sudden I'm like this, this kind of under your breath prayer, like, oh God, please, just a parking spot. And boom, like almost like, oh, there it was. So I go in there and I park there, and then we do the things that we need to do. Fast forward years in the future, I look back and I'm like, wait, that was strange. How's the, how does the logic of God work? Why would he not answer a prayer that was so important, a prayer for which we prayed so earnestly and with so much faith? He didn't answer that. But then I go like that, boom, hey, God, please, a parking spot, and it happens like nothing. And in my mind, I start thinking, what's the logic behind prayer? Why couldn't have God taken, taken the energy that he used to, to provide that parking spot and just take some of that and use it to heal my brother-in-law? And so I start questioning myself on the inside. Was God really listening? Did he forget my prayer? Did he not care? Did I not use the right words? Did I not pray with the right intensity? Did I not pray often enough? And at the end of the day, I felt, we felt, like prayer simply didn't work. But you know what we discovered in time? That we did not understand prayer. You see, we thought prayer was, was a transaction between us and God. Almost like a code that we had to crack. And if we prayed the right way, we did the right things, the right intensity, the right amount of faith, all these things, it would almost make God do the thing that we wanted him to do. There's no code because prayer is not a transaction between me and God. And I hope this frees someone here maybe that's going through something where they've prayed for someone and, or they didn't pray for someone and something happened and you feel guilty because you didn't pray hard enough. Let me just free you from that because prayer is not a transaction between you and God. God is sovereign. He will do what he's going to do. So that's not how it works. Then if prayer is not a transaction, then my question is, and I hope this is a question that's coming up, how does prayer work? How does prayer work? Well, this is great because the disciples asked Jesus this very question. How does prayer work? And then Jesus gave his disciples some sort of a life hack on prayer, if you will. And he explained it to them. 
And this is interesting to me because of all the things that the disciples could have asked Jesus a life hack for, they asked for prayer. I would have asked for something different perhaps. Hey, how about a life hack on walking on water? How about a life hack on raising the dead? How about a life hack on turning water into wine? Maybe not that one. Sorry. But you see, the, the disciples, there they was they were something about the way Jesus prayed that was very interesting to them because the disciples grew up in a culture where prayer was a normal thing. They would have watched the Pharisees pray. Perhaps they prayed themselves. It was part of their culture. Nine o'clock, 12 o'clock, and then three o'clock were the daily prayers, were the prayers that Daniel was put in the lion's den uh, for praying. So it was part of their culture. They were very familiar with the whole idea of prayer. So they saw the Pharisees pray, and there would be these big sort of transactional prayers with God where they would say things, and everyone was amazed at their prayers, but then they saw Jesus pray and they saw something different, perhaps something that they had never seen before. Maybe something that they saw in how Jesus was praying was attractive to them because it was almost like he was talking to a person who was actually there. Luke 11 talks to us a little bit about this. Luke 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse one says, this is the, this is the moment, one day, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, because they saw what he was doing, he was praying differently. He, he said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Verse two, he said to them, when you pray, say. When you pray, say. And then he goes into the Lord's prayer. Which is interesting to make a clarification right here because in the culture where I grew up in South America, um, the Lord's prayer was, was, a, was a very religious thing in the Catholic culture. Um, in South America. So it, it, was, it was a transactional prayer. It's, it's, it's a prayer of penance. You go to the priest and you, you confess your sins to the priest and the priest gives you a penance. So you have to do uh, X amount of Lord's prayers for the amount of sins that you've committed or a certain amount of Hail Marys uh, for the amount of sins that you've committed and you would, you would use the rosary to keep count. So it was 100% transactional. So when we look into the Lord's prayer, sometimes we will, I'll, I'll tend to look back and think of the Catholic culture where I grew up and think that it's a transactional prayer. But I hope that we can discover this morning something very different about the Lord's prayer. That it's not a transaction, it is a model that he is presenting to us. It says like this, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Verse four, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. There's uh, the other version of it in Matthew chapter six, verse uh, nine. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The thing that's amazing to me about the Lord's Prayer as we look into it is how little or almost nothing there is in it about asking. In fact, I would say that it's almost the opposite of asking. Let's, let's unpack it real quick. Let's start with, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What he's saying is, first of all, it's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you and your glory and your kingdom. Secondly, give us each day our daily bread. He's not asking for cars, not for houses, not for trips. It's almost like he's saying, 
be sure and not give us too much that we will forget about you, that we won't lose focus on you. It's not really asking, hey, give us a lot of bread. Give us a lot of stuff. No, no, no. Give us our daily bread. He's making reference perhaps to the manna of uh, Israel in the, in, uh, in the desert when God would give them their daily bread. It was the daily manna. Manna would only last for one day and it would go bad the next day except for on the Sabbath. It would last for an extra day. So it was every day. So this prayer, he's, saying, he's not saying, give me bread, give me bread, give me bread. He's saying, give me only enough so that I will be completely dependent on you every day because I don't want to walk away from you. And then he continues, forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us or in the uh, other version as we forgive those who sin against us. So he's saying here, forgive us. Yes, forgive us our sins, but forgive us in direct proportion as we forgive others. Don't allow us to just ask for forgiveness. Let us remember that in the same way that, you have, that, that, that we are forgiven, that we will forgive others and then keep us away from temptation. I had a light bulb go off, not literally, in my mind as I was studying this this week, that the Lord's Prayer is really not about asking God to give us something, but it's really asking God to take away things from us that keep us distant from God. This is very interesting to me. Let's, um, let's unpack it one more time. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Take away my selfishness. Let my life be only about you and your kingdom. Give us each day our daily bread. Take away all of my materialism. Take that all away, that, that mentality of I want more, I want more, I want more. Take it all away so I can be connected to you and dependent on you. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Take away, take away my unforgiving heart. Take away, because when I'm unforgiving, I'm far from you. And lead us not into temptation. Take away our temptations, because temptations just ruin my relationship with you. So in summary, I would say it's take away anything that will distance me from you. So my question is, how did I ever come to the assumption that prayer is about asking for things for me? I don't know. Now, it's part, it is definitely part of prayer, but it's almost like saying that, that the main attraction at Disneyland are the restaurants, right? I mean, you got restaurants at Disneyland, but they're definitely not the main thing. The same thing is true in our lives. The asking part of prayer is definitely a part of it, but it is not the main thing. You see, the goal is not getting something from God because it's not a transaction between us and God. Prayer is not meant to be transactional. So the question is, if it's not meant to be transactional, then what is it meant to be? It's meant to be relational. Relational it is a tool that God has given us, a miraculous tool that God has given us to be able to, to, to communicate with him and to have a relationship with him. So, so I think the challenge this morning is that, is that we must, I must, we must reprogram our relationship with God because we tend to be selfish. And when I'm selfish, my prayers are 100% transactional because I want things and I think that I deserve them. Have you ever been in a relationship with a person that only wants things from you? You're like, yeah, I'm sitting right next to him <laughs> or her, right? I'm just kidding, of course. But those relationships aren't good. They're not good. They're unhealthy relationships. And you expect that from a child. 
I mean, when a child is growing up, it's all about them. Me, 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 I want, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. But as they grow up, you expect them to start thinking of others and to forget a little bit more about themselves. Well, you know what? The same thing is true in our relationship with God. When people come to church for the first time and they've just met Jesus, we expect their first steps to be all about them, all about receiving, and that is 100% fine. But if you've been coming to church for more than 10 years, five, 10 years, I don't know, and you still think that the way you're supposed to pray is a transactional prayer to where you ask God for things and you bless them, and if he doesn't bless you, you're like, what's going on? There's something wrong. Are you not listening to me? That's expected for someone new, but not for people who have been around for a while. It's not transactional. It's relational. So the challenge is we need to move from a transactional view of prayer to a relational view of prayer. Because with a transaction mindset, we will always be disappointed because God will not answer all of our prayers. It got really quiet, but it's true. Let me correct. He will answer all, of, all, all the prayers, but he won't always say yes to what you're asking for. But with a relational mindset, we will find that what we are looking for because what we seek in the deepest part of our heart is a relationship with God. It's what we seek, even if we don't realize it. It's that relationship that Adam and Eve had that was lost quickly in Genesis chapter 3. That communication with God. 100% communication. God spoke to them. They answered. They're in the Garden of Eden. That's what our heart yearns for. That's what we want. And we, we seek that fulfillment in these different sort of counterfeit things that we look for and we pray for and we ask God for. But they will never fulfill us. The only thing that will fulfill us is relationship with our creator, with that person who wired our brains, who gave us breath, who we are dependent on every day. That's why we pray to take everything away that will distance us from our creator. That's how we feel fulfilled when we're recognizing that we're in his presence and we're communicating with him. That is what our heart desires. It's what we seek. We will not get there with a transactional view of prayer. Jesus would say it this way. Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 33 says, <clears throat> but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. It's important to understand that when Jesus says all these things will be, at, will be given to you as well, it does not mean that we will get everything that we want. That is not true. But what it does mean is that we will get the one thing that really matters. Our relationship with our creator. It's what Mary discovered. Remember the story of, of Mary and Martha? That Jesus was visiting in the house of Mary and Martha. And Martha was busy doing all these things, getting the food ready, cleaning the house, doing all these things, and Jesus was there. And then Jesus was, you know, uh, sitting or standing, I'm not sure what, what the position that he was in, but Mary was there with him. And Mary was just with Jesus, and she was looking at Jesus, and she was listening to Jesus, you know, and she was in a relationship with Jesus, talking and listening, and it was so, it was so great for her. And then Martha was frustrated because she saw Mary wasting time. Conventional wisdom will tell us that, that Mary was wasting time, right? Got all these things to do. But what does Jesus say? Luke chapter 10, verse 41 says this. is Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. 
but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You see, Mary discovered what I hope we can discover this morning. The one thing that will not be taken away from her is the same thing that will not be taken away from us, which is our relationship with Jesus. Our relationship with Jesus starts here, and it continues through eternity. Everything else that we have, that we own, that we work for, that we pray for in our transactional prayers with God have an expiration date, right? They stay here when we go. But there's one thing that we take with us. That's our relationship with our creator. So Mary discovered the one thing that mattered, the one thing that will not be taken away from her. Now granted, it's not, nowadays it's not like it was when Adam and Eve were in the garden. It's true. We don't have that relationship with God which is uninterrupted and it's all perfect. Same thing with Mary. We don't have Jesus right in front of us physically where we can talk to him. It's true. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 explains a little bit of, of our life here on earth and how we relate to God. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we, will sh- we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall, shall um, know fully, even as I am fully known. So that's, that's now. That's what we see in part. And there will come a day when we will see God face to face, just like I see my dad right now as he's taking notes in my sermon, and then he's going to give me his comments. In a, in a very loving way, as always. Um, and so, so we're given this tool, this tool, right? As we're here, as, as we see in part, we, give this, we have this awesome tool to be able to talk to God and be able to listen to God. Think about how amazing that is. Sometimes we say things so often that we forget how amazing they are. We get to talk to God, like he's, and he's here, and he's listening, and we're talking to him, and he's hearing what we're saying. He's literally hearing the creator of everything, and we get to interact with him. That's not a small thing. It is a huge gift. Let's not ruin it by just making it transactional. We miss the, the main thing when we do that. So that's the challenge today that we will remember the one thing that will not be taken away from us and that our perception of prayer, our concept of of prayer will will go from being transactional to being relational. And I'm going to end with this. I'm going to end with a very mysterious verse. It's always been a mystery to me. It says this, um, and then I'm going to present you with a challenge. So 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verse 17 says, pray continually, pray continually. Uh, other translations, pray without ceasing, pray nonstop, pray in an uninterrupted manner, which is very interesting to me because if we have a view of prayer that is transactional, this is impossible because our prayers have a beginning and an end. We say, Lord God or Lord Jesus, and then it ends when we say, amen, right? But the challenge here is that it is continual prayer, like it doesn't stop. How do we do that? Well, if we have a relational view of prayer, this is very possible because the relationship never stops. I'll give you an example. My wife and I, I love my wife very much. We have a relationship. When we're together, you know, we're together. I'll talk, you know, then she'll talk, and then we won't talk, right? Because we're doing different things, and then we'll come back together. We'll go out, we'll take a walk, you know, we'll walk the dog, walk around, and then... Um, There'll be silence, they'll be talking. Sometimes I'll talk a lot, you know, 
and then she'll talk a lot and I'll listen. It's a relationship. But we're, we're, we're aware of each other's presence all the time. So when I look at this verse and I think about praying continually, I think about, about that, that, that our prayers should never stop, that we should be fully aware of the presence of God all the time because he is always with us. He is all, with us all the time. Hebrews 13.5 says, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, quoting the Old Testament. Matthew 28, 20 says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So in the same way that when I'm with my wife, we're together, even though I'm not always talking and she's not always talking and I'm not always asking for stuff and she's not always asking me for stuff, right? We're together in a relationship. The same is true with our relationship with God. He is always with us. He is literally in this room right now. Do you believe that? 100%, which is a beautiful thing. Let's not walk out of this building and forget that. Let's not leave God in here. Let, us, let him always be with you. Let's pray continually. I think that the word amen, and this may be sacrilegious, but kind of ruins it, not the word, but the use of it. Because we pray, and then we do the prayer, and then we finish the prayer with an amen, and we go on with our lives, almost like an over and, over and out, right? So I guess the challenge today is that we will, we will, we will start the prayer we will continue the prayer, and then we will just say over. What happens when you say over? You're waiting. You're waiting for the response. And then you talk. And then you're aware of the presence of God. And this is how we live our lives, relationally with God. It's an amazing way to live. Because if you live aware of the presence of God in your life, there are certain things that you will stop doing because there are certain things that you We'll do in private thinking that God is not present, but when you know that he's actually there, it will start to change your life. It'll start to change your relationship with others. It will change everything. So that's the challenge for this morning, that we will transition from a transactional prayer to relational prayer and that our prayers will never stop. It doesn't mean that you walk in down the street and you're, you're moving your mouth. You don't have to move your mouth. You just, you know God's with you and you realize that he's with you all the time. Pray continually without ceasing. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much because you have um, allowed us to understand a little bit more about prayer. I pray, Lord, that this um, sort of life hack that you've given us uh, about prayer, Lord, will be helpful to us, that we will understand that, that prayer is not about asking. It's not the main thing. It's part of it, but it's not the main thing. I pray that we will understand that as, as we, we mature in our relationship with you, that, that we won't focus on the things that we want. Um, that we will trust you, that you're in control. I pray that we will understand that, that the prayer is not a transaction with you. We don't get to negotiate with you. I pray that we will enter in a relationship with you through the, the, the constant understanding that you're always with us and that that will change our hearts, that that will change our prayers, that that, that will change the things that we want and that will change the life that we lead and it will change the lives that we interact with. We pray this and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can watch our sermons and announcements on our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at WVCCH. If you'd like more information about our church or services, please visit our website, WVCCH.org. Thank you for listening.
it all My rebellion 